Yeah, my my girls they they really like cats, but uh, I keep explaining to them, look. Daddy has to make a choice between cats and breathing, and breathing will win every time. So, <laughs> no cats. This episode is sponsored by Harvest. I used Harvest to track time, track subcontractors' time, and invoice clients. Their time tracking is really simple and easy to use. Invoicing includes a pay now function by credit card and PayPal, and you can sign up at getharvest.com. Use the code RF to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. We also have Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about branding. Um, Let me jump on here and just read the entry real quick. Oh, it just says, how to develop a brand architecture and create a name for your business. Naming is hard. Branding is hard. Let's go shopping. And I I don't remember if it was JT or, um, yeah, it was JT that put that in. So Um, this was in response to um, Jeff, who was saying that he's not excited about the name he has for his business. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Naming was part of it, but I mean, brand in general, I mean, it's easy to see. I mean, it's easy to read. I mean, everybody says you have to have your own brand. Freelancers need their own brand. Solo business need their own brand. And then I was just reading a book. What is it? Everybody's a, a boutique shop. I forget what the name of the book was now. I haven't finished reading it. But I mean, the point of that is that you're a boutique shop and you have a brand and blah, blah, blah. I mean, everybody's saying brand, but it just seems a whole lot easier to talk about it than to figure out how to build one and then build one. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think then that there are two questions here. And one is, is how do you name your business? And the other one is how to build a brand, right? Yeah. Yeah, and probably want to define what a brand is too before you talk about how to build one. Probably. Let's let's talk about naming first since that seems to be unnecessarily hard and once you do it, you seem it seems like you're pretty much done if you've done it right, right? Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, I guess. I so, mean, it's one of those things that obsessive people can obsess over, and I am one such obsessive. I was going to say I don't know anybody like that, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine, he, he's a marketing guy turned programmer. Um, he, he's actually moving out of Utah to Austin, but, um, I was talking to him because I was trying to come up with a name for some project or product idea that I had or something. And I was, I was just complaining to him. I was like, I don't know what to call it. Cause it seems like there are all of these, um, programs and products and stuff out there that have, these cool and interesting names and you've also got kind of the web 2.0 names that don't mean anything they're just made up and then um you know so how do i come up with a name for something you know because i don't want to call it you know um business you know whatever app you know you don't want to name it after what it does necessarily or do you and um he he basically said you can think of it in kind of four quadrants so if you if you draw a box and then you draw a line down the middle and a line across the middle um and then along the the top you have real words and imaginary words and then on the left you have um i think it was interesting and not interesting or something like that and so basically what you want to do is you want to find something that that fits into um two of the you know that that, that fits into the right quadrant he said that the quadrant that 
seems to have the most success is the one that is real words and interesting. And so, you know, if if it's if you use real words, it can be compelling or it can be boring. And then he also said the next the next most, you know, popular one is not real words that is, you know, compelling. And, uh, you know, and then from there, it's, you know, it, it's the same thing and, and not as interesting. But then at least it's informative, right? It says this is an app that does X, Y, and Z. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. So if you can find two words that are not necessarily related, typically, but kind of give an interesting picture or an interesting, you know, image or concept, then he, he said that that's kind of the best way to go. And it doesn't necessarily have to relate to what you're doing. Well, I mean, when I, whenever I do names, like I kind of go similar to that, but I'm trying to figure out, look at it. There's a, Igor has an, I, I think it's Igor. It has like an, they have a naming guide. They're really big with brands and stuff like that. Um, but they actually broke it up into four different styles. There's mm-hmm. the functional descriptive, which is kind of what you're talking about, like ABC bank or type thing. Yeah. Um, there's invented and product names, which is like, you know, Yahoo or Google where it's like, they're just, it's no one's really used that as a name. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like experimental, which is like, uh, like Safari or navigator, you know, Netscape navigator where it's kind of, it's a word that's already there. It's being repurposed and it's kind of, they're kind of playing with the word a bit. And then um, there's evocative product and company names where that's, you got Virgin, you have Apple computer, um, stuff like that, where it's kind of, you know, Apple's kind of the simple idea. Virgin is kind of like new territory, new stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of how I've been using it for, I guess, a couple of years since I did my name, my company. And you can get the guide. The guide's free. We'll link it in the show notes. But um, I kind of used that when I named Chirk in that I went through, I found a couple of dictionaries online with like, here are words, like, you know, uncommon words, uncommon verbs, nouns, all that, and came across Chirk. And that's actually means to make or become cheerful. And then since I'm building like an HR software, I added HR to it just to kind of differentiate it a little bit. So that's how I came up with Chirk HR. And so the the other nice thing about that is it's a real word. It's something you can say. It's not like web 2.0 Z lie dot, you know, IO or whatever. And once I say it once or twice, people actually know how to spell it. They'll be able to look it up and it should be semi-memorable, uh-huh. which if, you know, if anyone's ever named a company something that was a weird spelling or like a really long one or used words that when you said it out loud, it could be spelled a different way. Getting something short, memorable, and like you instantly know how to spell it is actually a really big deal. Yeah, and that that kind of drives into the branding a little bit. Where you know you want to pick a name that you can get the domain for, get the whatever Twitter Twitter account or whatever it is that you know whatever channels you're going to use. You want to be able to own the name of your company or product. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that, that's that, really interesting. I didn't even think Chirk was a real word. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's actually a, a town too. I think in the UK. But the, the thing is, like, with LittleStream software, like, I spent, I don't know, weeks trying to figure out, like, what to name it. Went through all these branding exercises, trying to figure it out. And then just kind of mashed together a couple of things. and like, hey, this works. And looking back, I kind of regret the name a little bit in that it's really long. So, mm-hmm. like, if I'm on my phone trying to type in my email address, it takes forever. But it's I can say LittleStream software, and people pretty much can spell it. They might be like, okay, is it hyphens or whatnot? And it's all normal words, and it kind of gives a good visual idea of what I do, and it's also functional in that it says I do software. 
So it's that's kind of how I approached mine. But I mean, like I said, as I was trying to, I worried about it too much, and I was trying to think like, well, in twenty years, is this going to be the right name? And you know, had a lot of that you know perfectionism in it, like Jeff was talking about, and it really doesn't matter. Like half my clients don't really care about my company name. They care about like, oh, we're working with Eric here, or Eric's going to get this for us. And in fact, I have a couple clients that they write checks to me, even though the business is working for them. And I still have to like sign it as like, yes, this is being signed over to the company, not to me personally, mm-hmm. you know, just because the name really doesn't matter as much if you're a one person company. Well, that's the other thing, right? So do you get behind a personal brand like Seth Godin and Chris Brogan and Gary Vaynerchuk and all those folks? Or do you build yet another layer? And is the layer just ego saying I have a business and blah, blah, blah? I mean, I went through the same thing Eric described coming up with the first name of my business. Basically, I had left one of my, uh, I left a full-time job, was picking up another full-time job, but was doing a significant amount of freelancing on the side for the company I left. And so I wanted to get a company set up just for tax purposes to deal with it. And I spent a bunch of time naming it. And finally, it was, screw it. I'll just use the name I'm most known for, or the blog property I have the most renowned or whatever. And it ends up being the Q, which is the most horrible name for a business other than like I hate customers.com or something because <laughs> it's miserable to spell and half the world it means you've got to wait for something and it's a completely mm-hmm. common name that I mean if I was ever concerned with SEO I would not have been with that name because there are probably a bazillion results that show up for it but it well and also so- in your case like is it Q as in the letter, like is it T H E Q dot com or is it Q U E or you know that's that's what we've talked about yeah. before of mm-hmm. yours is it's phonetically it can be many different ways. Yeah, and if you're not European, Q is not. If you're not European, you're not a computer scientist, and you're not I don't know something. I mean Q queuing some sort of a data structure that's like a stack but the other way. I mean that's not something that normal people think about. They think Q the letter. Mm-hmm. So one one thing that I I want to come back to really quickly because I think I think Eric did mention something that was important. He mentioned that uh, you know he even still gets checks written out to Eric Davis instead of Littlestream Software, and um, I, I think I think. In, for the most part, for, for companies of our size where it's just us or maybe us and a few subcontractors, it, it doesn't matter as much because most people, when they come to me, they're coming to me. They're not coming to Intentional Excellence Productions. In fact, most of them don't even know that the, the business entity, the LLC, exists. Or, or, and, they, and they don't care. You know, Ultimately, all they care about there is when they hire me, that's who they send the check to. Um, when, when you're kind of building out, if you wanted to set up a little boutique shop or a freelancer shop and, you know, where you, you had a team that was going to work on projects and things like that. And, you know, you, you wanted to promote the company more and you have a valid reason for doing that. And by valid, I mean a good reason, not necessarily because there are different ways of validating that. But, you know, if you, if you have a strong reason for wanting to build a brand around your business, then, then you're getting into that. But I think if you're just trying to bring in freelance business, I mean, most people are coming to you because they know what you can do. You know, they're, they're not going to you because you're, you know, you've branded it out so that you're Pivotal Labs or somebody where Pivotal Labs, you know, they're, they're a big shop that's, you know, out there to build, you know, big solutions with a big team. And, you know, so the branding for their company is much more important. And the way I kind of see it is like, 
the business you're building, is it something that is more, I mean, I hate the term lifestyle business, but is it a lifestyle business in that it's just to kind of provide you with a self-employed job or is it going to be something that you're going to sell off as an asset? Like my consulting stuff, it's, I'm going to be doing it. I can't really sell it off to anyone because it's just me. It's just my knowledge. So I would actually be better off just having more of the personal brand. Like this is Eric Davis, you know, whatever software. But if I was building something like Pivotal or if I was trying to like have an agency, then yeah, it might be better to do kind of the larger company style brand because then I can step out as the entrepreneur, sell it off to another company or whatever. And so that's kind of, that's a kind of a good idea. Like, do you want to hold on to this business just as like, this is your, your job for the next, you know, several years to the rest of your life? Or is it you're building an, a business as an asset that you're going to sell off to someone else? And Pivotal Labs did sell, by the way, EMC Corporation picked them up. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, like if it was yeah. like, you know, Joe Smo software, like it'd be kind of harder to to sell that off because unless you're going to buy Joe Smo. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah, that's yeah. what GitHub does, right? They just hire everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the selling out if you're a single brand or you try to build up, an, you try to build up another brand. I mean, what's Gary Vaynerchuk trying to do now with um, Vaynerchuk, however you say his last name? Yeah, but, VaynerMedia. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, I think... In order of renown is Gary himself, then Wine Library, and then maybe a far distant third is uh, VaynerMedia or whatever the, the other company was. I thought he quit doing Wine Library in favor of VaynerMedia. He did, but I still think more people will know him because of that than will know that VaynerMedia exists. Right. And that's but- a problem with, and it's sort of a, an odd way to look at it, but I mean, that's the whole rebranding, renaming thing too. So he has spent, what were there, like 500 episodes of Wine Library TV or whatever, and then he's not renaming it, but he's basically abandoning it in favor of something else. And so you have all that history for Wine Library that's going to exist forever or for mm-hmm. a very long time. There's still going to be a huge center of gravity, but get people not basically where you want them. If you're doing a rename or rebrand or refocus or whatever it is, I mean, that's... Yeah, but I think there are two things going on there. One is is that uh, Gary is still, I mean, the one that people identify with, I think, even much more than winelibrary.tv. And the other thing is is that winelibrary.tv was a business set up to sell liquor, sell wine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I mean, that was the whole point. Um, it, to educate people, sure, but also to sell a product where in our cases, most of the time we're out there trying to sell a service and that service is something that we're delivering ourselves or we're at least staking our own reputation on if we're even if we're subcontracting it. So it, it's still a little bit different. You know, if, if you change tactics and go a different direction, um, you know, people will still know who you are and follow whatever it is that you're doing. And so I think the personal brand for us is much more powerful. In fact, I think it's much more powerful for 99% of the people out there than a corporate brand. Yeah. And I mean, if I if I was able to redo it, I would go with a personal brand. Like I would still probably have a company behind it, you know, like an LLC or a corporation, but I would still, I would do personal brand. I would be, you know, Eric Davis versus, you know, Little Stream Software or whatever my, my company name. And I've seen a lot of other people in kind of freelance or really small like service businesses heading that way it's just it's a lot easier to market and it's a lot more personal Mm -hmm. type interaction and so you know like if you ever done copywriting or wrote for a website there's always a problem of do i type as like we the business do this or do i type as i the owner and you know it 
that having a personal brand really defeats that. You can write as you, like, you know, hey, welcome to my website. This is what I do. These are the services I offer. Mm-hmm. And so it's a more of the, the homegrown feel to it. Right. And then and then the branding for me at least comes in when I'm doing things like Ruby Rogues or JavaScript Jabber, where, you know, I'm trying to build that brand. But I'm trying to build it in the sense that, you know, people come, they listen, they get involved, they like what they hear. And in, in really what it does is in turn, it builds the personal brands for all the people on the show. And so it, it really kind of, you know, comes back to that personal brand. But, you know, that that's a different it's a different entity that has a different purpose. And, you know, and so that's that's why you build out those brands is because then you can focus on those areas but you know the the ultimate identity of the company that's you know in the background orchestrating everything which in my case is still just me um i don't think that matters as much i don't think the name intentional excellence productions matters as much though i am with you on the the long name thing it's kind of a it's kind of a pain because you know to spell it out it's 20 something characters yeah and i mean another thing if you're looking at personal versus company brands if you do you can always do a personal brand and then you can be, you know, hey, you know, Chuck is actually part of Ruby Rogues. And so it's like you kind of lend some of your personal brand to the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was you had a company brand and then you were an employee of the company and you went to the podcast, it would kind of it's like an extra indirection. And so it's like, OK, is, is intentional excellence actually part of Ruby Rogues or is it just happens that Chuck works for intentional excellence and as Ruby Rogues, like on the side. Yeah. And so you kind of get this this murkiness. And I mean, in all honesty, unless, like I said, unless you're going to like sell your company, going a personal brand is probably the better route. Or, you know, this, and or if you're doing a product, if you're doing like a major product that's going to be out there, you're probably going to want a product name. Right. But if you're just doing freelancing stuff, like, I mean, I'm all for personal branding. It's just so much easier. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is if you have this, corporation in the background and let's say you do develop a product that you're going to put out there i mean you can always set up a dba or create a wholly owned business entity you know and it won't cost you that much to do but uh you know then you then you do have another business with the same name behind whatever product you're putting out there and that's the brand that you're going to build Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean with products you don't even need a dba you could just do uh registered trademarks and stuff like that i mean it's you know that's how i have tricks set up i mean it's not registered but it's you know Turk is a product by Little Stream Software. I mean, yeah. and that's all you really need. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, the if you wanted to create separate bank accounts and everything for all that stuff, I mean, that's that's where the other business entities come in. But you're right. You know, it it is it's it's a business or product provided by your company. And ultimately, again, the company doesn't really matter. So, you know, yeah, and then there's I was gonna say this is I think a U.S. law, and I mean, obviously, talk to your attorney. I'm not an attorney. Your laws may be different, but if you do a sole proprietorship, I believe you can basically pick whatever name you want for your business as long as you have, I think it's your last name in it. So this when I before I picked a name, I actually, you know, wrote a piece of paper that said, I'm starting a business as a sole proprietorship. It's gonna be called Eric Davis Software. And that gave me enough of a business structure to take to a bank and actually get a bank account set up right away before I had, you know, Little Stream Software or Little Stream Software LLC. Mm-hmm. So by default, you can start with a personal brand and then grow into a company one if you find you need it later. 
Right. And the other thing is with, with trademarks, because you did bring that up, um, I, I interned doing some uh, intellectual property law. Now, this was a long time ago. And so, again, I'm not an attorney. Um, so, you know, go talk to an attorney before you use this advice. But basically, my understanding is, is that with trademarks, um, even if somebody goes and registers a trademark with a patent trademark um, office, if, if your business is established and in the same um, general business arena as them, um, you, you can still claim precedent. In other words, there's an implied trademark as long as you're not infringing on someone else's. So, you know, your, your colors, your, um, your different logos, all that stuff, you know, if, if none of that infringes on a trademark and your name doesn't infringe on a trademark when you create it, then you can't be forced to give up your trademarked name just because somebody even went and registered it with the government. But again, go you, you want to go talk to an attorney before you, you know, before you do that. And I'm not sure what the prices are for registering a trademark in the United States. Yeah. And I mean, in all honesty, like if you're getting started, most of this won't matter. I mean, okay. I've heard of a company that got started, they started branding and then they had a cease and desist because their name was too close to another company's name mm-hmm. that had the trademark. And so that that new company, they decided to change their name. I mean, it it was they, it sucked for them. They had to redo a little bit of things, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And and right or wrong, you know, that it, sometimes it's not worth the, the fight, even if you are in the right but uh, anyway, we're going to be talking quite a bit, I think, about building a brand in when we talk about get clients now. But uh, I'm still kind of curious as to what verticals you guys use in order to build and promote your brands. Eric, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What How verticals? Are... Yeah, verticals as in what? Like the, to me, that means like an industry. Oh, that's true. I, I meant sort of like social media or um, oh, know, channels. Channels. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I was like, I, I use the medical and the pharmaceutical vertical. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for me, I, I've said in previous ones, I, I'm better at writing than most other stuff. And so kind of my blog, which doesn't even, it isn't even on my company website. It's on a separate website. Um, that's my main place where I put a lot of my content. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember, I think copy blogger, maybe pro blogger talked about like you have like a hub spoke type idea. So most of my original stuff goes on my blog. Um, from there, it goes on. It gets fed into my Twitter account. I have RSS feed. Um, I'm supposed to be putting it onto Facebook, but I keep forgetting about it. Um, and you know, so that's kind of where most of my stuff happens. Um, my company blog has links to, or my company site has links to my blog, and my blog has links to my company site. So they kind of go back and forth from the designs almost identical. So if you go to one and then click over to the other, you kind of can tell it's the same, same business. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one big thing about my branding is almost all of my sites that are in like the little stream software area are all, they all have the same color scheme. They all have a similar look and feel and layout. So it's not jarring. Like you don't go from one to the other and be like, Whoa, where am I now? You can tell it's still my stuff. Right. Um, and I mean, like I said, I write on my blog, I, you know, have some content on my business website, but my business website's mostly like, it's mostly there with a little bit of portfolio, a way for people to contact me. And then like, a like the social proof of like, yes, Eric does know what he's doing with software. Here's stuff he's done, you know, check it out here. And mm-hmm. a lot of that I link to GitHub, GitHub projects or other stuff where it's open source. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't do too much branding that much anymore. Um, you know, when you're a single, single person doing development, you hit a certain level of branding and marketing where it's like you're getting more leads and more work than you can handle. And so you can kind of back off on things. And especially in the Redmine Chili Project area, like I can't, 
I think I'm pushing close to a hundred plugins in there. And the, just by having the sheer number of code, number of open source projects, it kind of generates its own branding for me. And so I haven't had to really extend out into like do Google Plus or do you know a bunch of podcasts like you have, Chuck, or stuff like that. So that's that's kind of how my stuff's set up. It's very basic. It's really optimized for writing um, with a little bit of the social media, more just for water cooler talk for me. Right, that makes sense. So you're not you're not so much into Twitter and Facebook and whatever as as a major means of pro, uh, promoting your business. No, I mean like on Twitter, I'll, if I put a blog post up, which is you know one to four a month, maybe depending on how I feel, it goes on Twitter. It's one post. Um, you know, I'll be on Twitter. I might reply to people and talk with people, but most of that's more discussion, not a not not so much a marketing channel. And then I have a tumble log that I kind of put links and bookmarks on there and those get sent out to Twitter, but that's just, you know, sharing things that I find. And honestly, it's more for me so I can go and find it again because I, I have a really bad memory and can't find things. But I mean, yeah, like I don't have like a social media strategy or a content strategy or anything like that. It's just write once a week if I can, post my blog and, you know, talk to people about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Jeff, what, what channels do you use? I don't know. I'm- I probably fall into the same boat as Eric without a blog. I mean, I do a lot of uh, maybe blabbering on Twitter. I mean, I have the whole setup. So I have a Tumblr log and I'm big into links. And I've played with various, various link blog, like daily blog type things in the past. And for whatever reason, I use Delicious and Pinboard. And most of those sync to uh, Twitter or used to at one point. Now I post most of the stuff to a Tumblr log. Tumblr blog, tumble log, whatever, and it tumble blumble log, yeah, <laughs> and it sends it out to um, Twitter, and then uh, so my newsletters do that. And the scheme I'm trying to get for other new newsletters that hasn't worked yet is all the stories that look interesting for a week to get shoved into the tumble log. What do we call those things? Is it a tumble, tumblog? How do you say that? I mean, why invented or invented the term like tumble log? It's, I guess, microblog is the other idea, but Twitter's kind of taken that over. I mean, right. you can call it a link blog too, but then that kind of has a scammy idea. Yeah. So I don't know. I call it a tumble log. All right. So a tumble log. But yeah, so all the stuff in the newsletter, all the stuff that's potentially interesting enough to go in the newsletter would be put on a tumble log. And then that would go out through Twitter and hit uh, Twitter and Facebook from the blog RSS. And then a smaller subset of that would get pushed out in the newsletters. I mean, the newsletters are probably my biggest content push. And that's more aggregation than anything else at the moment. I don't really like writing. I like podcasting and screencasting, but I just haven't gotten back into into that. But I would I would characterize or categorize... My plan is chaotic as be- at best, <laughs> sort of just do whatever I think. I mean, I can definitely see how a little bit of focus on just one thing would probably be a lot better than haphazard focus on whatever I feel like. But Yeah, it's kind of what I call the pasta kitchen. I mean, you have a pot of spaghetti, you throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then someone's left cleaning up the mess. <laughs> 
Well, it, it just occurs to me that in both cases, you guys talked about things that give value to other people. And, and that kind of is what draws them in, you know, whether it's a podcast or a newsletter or uh, a product or a blog or, you know, whatever it is, it, it seems like that's really what, what brings people to you is putting something out there that, that adds value for them. And so, you know, it's the same thing for me with the podcasts. Um, I do tweet some stuff when I run across it. Um, and, and I, I do try and tweet things that aren't just my content to um, make it interesting for people to follow me. Um, I don't do very good at that, but I try. Um, but just stuff like that, where you're trying to put information out there that people can grab onto and that bring them back around to to me or to you or you know to who, whatever it is that that I'm trying to to drive them at. So it it just works out really well. And yeah, my primary means of doing that are the podcasts and the screencasts. Um, I used to blog a whole lot more. I'm trying to get back into that, but it really just comes down to how much time I have for all of the stuff that I do. Um, but, but you know, th- those are different things. And then um, just working things out with like, if you go to devchat.tv right now, um, it's not fully launched, but you can kind of get the idea that I'm, I'm really trying to get a coherent and cohesive brand um, around the stuff that I'm working on and the shows that I do. And, um, you know, so it's got this theme and, you know, a color scheme and stuff like that. And I'm hoping to extend that a little bit to the Intentional Excellence website and to my own blog and things like that. But, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot there, a lot going on. And, um, you know, if, if I can get this into a cohesive and well-polished brand, then I think people will take me a little more seriously and that will increase my business. Yeah. And I just want to kind of go back to that point you started with Chuck was about giving value. I mean, realistically, if you look at what most of, most freelancers do is they give value to their clients, you know, mm-hmm. through their project. And, my goal is when I when someone pays me, I want to give them an extremely high amount of value. You know, they're paying me a decent sum of money. They need to get a certain amount of value, a certain return from that. Well, for some people can't pay me or aren't able to pay me or just aren't ready to pay me. And so I can't give them as much value, but I can still give them some. And that's why I have so many you know, open source plugins, it's like, okay, look, here's the code I wrote. It does this certain feature. It might not work for you. It might work for you. If it does, great, you know, go ahead and use it. And that might give some people value if it works. And it's like, oh, this is perfect for us. But it's also kind of a way for them to sample what I do and what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so between that and then my writing, if I'm writing about development or business, it's like trying to show like, look, I can... I can write code, but I can also write code in contrast to business. So it's not, uh, you know, very heavy, like I'm building compilers and, you know, geek in the basement stereotype, but like, I can understand like your business, you want to get your software to work, but you might not want to pay for it to be a hundred percent perfect. You know, if 99% perfect is good enough for your business, I can understand that as a business owner myself. And so just kind of showing them how that, how that is, how I, how I work my values. And so that's kind of how my marketing comes across. And so the idea of like having different tiers of this is the amount of value I'm giving to people. And then some of that value people would pay for is kind of, it's a good way for people to kind of get acquainted with me, you know, start to trust me more, start to trust me more, use more of my stuff and then finally become a client. Right. Now I, I want to stop real quick because Jeff has to go. Um, Jeff, do you want to give us some pics real quick before you take off? Oh, maybe he just muted and walked off. All right. Well, he, he did put in the chat. His pick is the WWDC 2012 videos and we'll reiterate that during the picks. Anyway, go ahead, Eric. Sorry, I inter- interrupted you. Oh, no, that's fine. I mean, it's 
like I was just saying, it's basically give value. I mean, Jeff was, I've seen some of Jeff's videos, like Jeff gives an immense amount of value with his screencasts and I'm, I've been egging him on to do them more and more, but you know, that's how he, he enjoys it. He can give a ton of value to people and he might get some clients from it or he might sell it as products. And mm -hmm. Chuck, you do podcasts. That's where you give most of your value. And so you kind of have to figure out like what, what you can do that's going to give some value, try it out. If it works, you know, kind of scale it up and do a lot of it. And that can be your brand. I mean, there's, especially if you're doing personal brand, like it's not really, there's not a lot of rocket surgery behind it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, one thing that I've heard people say is that I'm afraid I'll, you know, give away all of my value in the podcast or in the, the blog posts or in, you know, whatever it is that they're giving away. And I know a lot of people who have written basically a book and the book contained like 80, 90% of the book is, is on their blog in content that they've already created. And yet they're mm -hmm. still able to go out there and, you know, sell this book and people buy it. I mean, um, look at Michael Hartle's, uh, what is it? Ruby on rails tutorial, or I, I don't remember exactly the URL, but it's, I think it's rails tutorial.org or something like that. But he put the whole book out there for free and people are still buying the the physical copy that was put out by, I want to say, Addison Wesley, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he so people are buying the physical book. They buy the PDF version for 20 bucks or whatever it is. Um, and then and then on top of that, he has an upsell with a series of videos that he puts out. And so, I mean, don't be afraid to share and don't be afraid to go whole hog on sharing what you know and what you've got, because ultimately, um, you know, if you can put the information out there, people will consume it and then you become the expert. And then when you publish the book on it later, then it's like, OK, now I have a cohesive and coherent representation of what's here. Um, Eric Reese did the same thing with the Lean Startup. You know, he wrote the Lean Startup book. Well, I'm sure 99 percent of the stuff out there is stuff that he's put out there and well i mean even a practical point like my two books refactoring redmine or redmine tips were all made public before the book came out like refactoring redmine was just a blog series that like i just wanted to I, I okay wanted to i needed to refactor parts of redmine and i decided to take an extra 30 minutes every day and write about it and ended up compiling all of that doing a lot of editing a lot of formatting and put it into a book so it's in you know one place instead of across 80 some odd posts on my blog and Redmine Tips was a, a weekly newsletter that I'd ran for about a year where it was basically a bunch of free tips. And I came to realize that someone who subscribed like in the later part of the year would get, only get the later tips. And so I took all that content, reformatted it, linked it together, grouped it, categorized it, you know, all of the um, curating of it and put it into a book, mm -hmm. you know, like it's and both of those are still selling pretty good. Like that's. It, the, the point is, is like, yeah, you can go and get all of the lean startup ideas or you can get all of the red mind tips from just browsing the web. But if it takes you like 10 hours to compile that content, like how much is the cost of a book? You know, like what's the cost of those of your time at that point? And so that's where someone who wants to buy a book that's a compilation, they get more value because they don't have to spend the time to compile it themselves. Right. You know, so like uh, that, that's the, that's the idea of it's like different stages of it. And, you know, you can reuse this content like I've reused some of the ideas and read my tips and made um, a couple webinars and a couple videos around it for my customers. And so, you know, it's just the same thing. Maybe it's expanded a little bit, maybe a different format. And those people who bought that got an extremely higher amount of value than the people who just read my blog posts. 
Yep, absolutely. So yeah, I just I just have to agree. But at the same time, I mean, you putting the the blog posts out there, um, it adds a ton of credibility to your personal brand. I guess having a book helps that too. But I mean, all of these different things, they, they really do. You've added value, you've put it out there for people to consume, and they reward you for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like when you're writing code, like you're incrementally improving it. Like every day I was incrementally improving my blog and my personal brand when I was posting. Then I compiled it into a book and that's kind of a larger chunk. And then when I did a video, that was an additional larger chunk on top of it. And they all kind of reinforce each other too. Yeah. Ooh, I heard a baby crying in the background. Yeah, I think it's feeding time. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally agree. One other thing that uh, I've noticed that has helped build a lot of people's brand is open source software. And you, you touched on this a little bit, but um, uh, you know, a lot of these companies out there that, that people get to know as con- as a consulting firm, and a lot of the people out there who have built their personal brand, they did it by writing software that a lot of people use. And it's just another another way of adding value, but. I mean, everybody knows who James Edward Gray is because he ran Ruby Quiz and because he wrote Faster CSV. And, you know, we, we all have, you know, that opportunity if we want to take it to, to do something similar, to, to write that code that somebody's going to use. And uh, that's, that, that's another way of building out that personal brand. And it's the same thing for things like Shoulda with, oh, Thoughtbot. Thoughtbot, yeah. So, you know, when they, they've got, I mean, they're doing all these things too, right? They have some giant robots smashing into other giant robots, which is their blog. And I think they're putting out a video series now. Um, but, you know, it, a lot of us got to know them because they had awesome coders writing great code that we all used. Yeah. And I mean, my example comes back to um, Rick Olson, uh, TechnoWeenie, like early, early days of Rails, he made a ton of plugins for Rails. And I mean, if you, if you wrote Rails, you were probably using one of his plugins. Like that's, it's a given. Mm -hmm. And from that, then he went and built a couple uh, services and then started working at a couple of the, you know, top tier companies. And now he's working for GitHub. I mean, he built his personal brand years ago just by throwing these plugins together. And in all honesty, some of those plugins aren't even used anymore because, you know, technology advanced or whatever. But whenever I think of, you know, Rails plugin developers, he's the first one in my head. You know, even if he's not writing any more of them, that's he he was the first one there. He did so many of them. That's that's his brand, you know, and same for Railscast. Like if I think of like video and Rails, like that's where I go. Like that's that's in my head and there might be new ones there might be better ones but you know having taken over a niche and being the first one is like a really really powerful thing yeah absolutely and um you know now everybody knows railscast i mean it it really does build that strong brand there and and that's another thing that seems to come up with a lot of this is consistency so if you're being consistent i mean ruby rogues hasn't missed an episode in 62 weeks um, we're going to miss an episode next week because it's the 4th of July and it just happens to fall on the wrong day. But, um, you know, being that kind of consistent with your blog and everything else, you keep people coming back and pretty soon they begin to rely on you. And that that's a really big deal. Yeah. And I mean, the way I see it, like, I have this fear too, even after writing, is like, you know, what if I write something and it's crap? You know, everyone hates it or just, you know, no one comments or any of that stuff. But I've kind of found like if you write two posts and one of them's crap, you have a 50% rate of crap. If you write 100 posts and one of them's crap, you only have a 1% rate of crap. So, you know, consistency, even if it's like not the best work you can do, but you're really trying, it's going to look good and it, it you're going to kind of bury it in your other content that's really great. And I've wrote... I think one or two posts I just kind of threw off, like, hey, this is an idea I want to write about. And they ended up being some of the best content I've written. Um, One of them was actually published in a magazine. So, 
you know, and you never know that going into it. And the act of producing, it's really going to help out. Yeah. The the other thing that comes to mind, too, is that you write the crappy post and unless somebody is going to violently disagree with it, um, they're not going to put it up and say, this post sucked. But if you write something that is really deeply moving or thought provoking, you know, really kind of rocks somebody's world, a lot of times that's the one that's going to get shared. And so you'll you'll become known for the the great one and not infamous for the other one. I mean, nobody cares if you write a cruddy or mediocre post. Um, the ones that people are really talking about are the ones that make them think or react in in a strong way. And so unless they're you know coming out and really just hating and disagreeing with what you're saying, you're not going to get that negative uh, pushback on uh, on your post. And so you know go ahead, give it a shot, write a post. you know at worst case, it just kind of goes out there and nobody talks about it. Well, yeah, and I mean, even if you do write a post that's taken pretty bad, like I wrote one on why I don't use Hamel and Sass. And I mean, oh my God, Flame War, like, but <laughs> I mean, it, from my point of view, I wasn't saying that there are bad projects or any of that. I was saying these are the reasons why I chose not to use it. They're logical, it's technical reasons, and it's just, it was prefix of I don't use this in my project. And I mean, that went out there and when it happened, there's, you know, a whole bunch of flames and all that stuff but from both sides. Like, and now, you know, a year later, no one remembers that post. Like I remember because I remember all the comments, but no one else remembers it. And, you know, it, I'm not going to say it's a shitty post, but I'm going to say it was one that I'd rather have not written just because I don't like dealing with controversy and trolls, but it's gone. It's in my archives. It's there. If someone wants to read it, they can, but it's not affecting my business today. Right. And, and that's one other thing is that, oh, and I think you, you're kind of in an exceptional place with that in particular, because it's it, it was already an open debate, and a lot of people already had strong feelings and opinions about it. And so when, when you got in, you were just another voice one way or the other in the discussion. And so it didn't stand out as kind of the star of the debate one way or the other. And so, you know, you can get into that. I think if it's not the most popular ever, it's pretty close, is the Editor Wars episode of Ruby Rogues. And for a lot of the same reasons is because we, you know, we had the discussion about something that is something that people feel strongly about. And that's fine. You can definitely write about it. Um, if you write a well-reasoned, informed post and, uh, you know, you're not belittling of the other side, I think you can get away with that. You'll get some traffic. Um, you know, maybe some of that will keep coming back. But ultimately, you know, it's the same thing. It's, you know, because you're getting eyeballs. But, you know, it's not something where, again, people are going to go bananas and, and make it's not going to make you look bad by having written it. It's just a matter of, you know, how and whether or not you want to um, manage the reactions that people are going to have and, and in an ongoing debate. Yeah. And I mean, I know some people use that tactics of like, OK, what's the current like hot drama? And writing about it but if you're doing it as a freelancer you have to be careful because yeah i mean you might be able to make a logical reasons and this and that but you know your clients might not agree with it and yeah you know they might get turned off and if you're going to talk about like so i use emacs okay big deal that's a tool i use i like it it's the best one for me i i might write about it but i'm going to write about it as this is this is why i use it not like this is why i don't use vim or this is why i don't use TextMate. it's here's here's what I like about it. Here's what I enjoy. And if you kind of keep it as just a, this is what I do and not bash or be negative about other ones, you can actually have a pretty good post. You know, some people, there's always going to be some trolls and they're always going to get on it. But, you know, if you can keep your brand as like, 
you know, I just like talking about the stuff I do, the tools I use or the good stuff, you know, that can kind of shine through and you can always, you know, block commenters or do that sort of thing if it's gets out of hand too. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left, so I'm going to go ahead and roll over to the picks. Um, unless there's something else that you want to add to this conversation. Um, the only thing I can think of is like I, we talked about in the beginning is like picking a name and figuring out your branding doesn't have to be done up front. If you're just getting started, it's probably not the most important thing to work on. You can work on it as you get time and as you kind of try out new things. So don't don't think of like this is like, okay, this is going to block me from launching my business. Like think about it, but don't worry about it. Yeah, I agree. And and I just want to kind of reinforce that by saying that um, I was freelancing for about two months before I actually formed my business entity. And uh, they were able to basically um, put everything together so that it was effective for before um, I actually had the business entity. And I think as long as I had done it during that that uh, tax year, then um, I was eligible to claim, you know, my business expenses and things for that tax year. So, yeah, it's not something you have to do right, right away. But, you know, it is something that, I mean, even if you can't come up with a good name, you know, that again, that doesn't have to stop you from forming a business entity anyway. But anyway, yeah, I agree. All right. So, picks. I'm going to make you go first. Okay. So, um, my pick is I drink a lot of tea. Um, I just can't stand coffee. Um, and so there's a local company. They actually are pretty big on mail order stuff, but they're called Stash Tea. Um, I They have a retail store by us. And so I go down there and I'll spend, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks and get like half a kilogram of tea at a time. And it's all loose leaf tea. And so I'm going to recommend two of the flavors that I like. Um, one is called Gunpowder Green. It's a really nice green. Um, unlike a lot of a lot of them, it doesn't turn bitter very easily. Which, if you drink a lot of green tea, you can kind of realize like tea turning bitter is really really easy to do. Um, another one is the Silver Silver Needle White. Um, it's a white tea, which is a very light tea. Um, I drink that most of the time. It doesn't have very much caffeine, so it doesn't affect me. Um, it's just a nice warm drink to have. Um, so I recommend both those teas. If you, if you're a tea drinker, um, I try to get it in loose leaf. The bags aren't as good and the white tea is actually a really high quality tea. So. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm definitely not a tea person. Um, I'm, I'm Mormon and we don't drink tea. So anyway, um, but it's funny, we don't drink coffee either. And, uh, one of my friends, he had a coffee from somewhere and I love the smell of coffee, which is kind of strange. Most, most folks I know, if they don't drink coffee, they can't stand the smell of it, but uh, I, I really enjoy it. What's funny is I'll walk by somebody and I'll be like, that smells really good. And then they give me this kind of chagrin look like, I know I'm not supposed to have it. I'm a terrible Mormon, but yeah, it, I, I just love the smell. Anyway. Um, so so if you ever see Chuck walking by you at a conference, sniffing at your coffee cup, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so my picks, the first pick I want to put out there is um, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's called Encouraging Words. No, that's not right. Um, let me find it in iTunes. Um, intentional, what's it called? Inspiring Words of Encouragement. There we go. Inspiring Words of Encouragement. It is um, a podcast every week. Um, usually it comes from the, the tapes and lectures from Zig Ziglar. Um, I just, I just find them very, uh, inspiring 
and uh, I, I really enjoy them. I listened to three of them today because I'd gotten a little bit behind on listening to them. And they're all about 10 to 15 minutes long and usually are focused around some point or idea um, around success or sales or, um, you know, family life or things like that. And he really kind of takes a terrific and well-rounded approach to uh, personal and business life. So um, if you want to check it out, I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, Another one is I just want to encourage folks uh, that are out there. I know that our audience is pretty technical and usually uh, has at least some entrepreneurial experience uh, experience or, or bent to them. Um, a lot of the stuff that goes on out there in politics land are, is done by people who don't get what we do one way or the other, whether it's business or, um, technology. And, um, the, the point I want to make is that this last week was the, in fact, on Tuesday was the primary election for Utah. We're one of the last States to have our primary elections. And the, the thing that really bothered me was I heard a lot of people complaining about uh, Orrin Hatch, who's the senator for Utah. Um, he's a senior senator. He's been in for like 40 years. And, uh, you know, they were complaining quite a bit about him because they didn't like some of the things he'd done. Um, some of the things he did, he voted for the TARP um, stimulus package, which wasn't very popular around here. Um, he did go up against Obamacare, which was something that was, uh, you know, politically sound for him to do, given the um, most most of Utah is Republican. So, you know, right or wrong, that that's how they felt. And then um, the other thing that he did was he was actually one of the sponsors of the PIPA bill, which, you know, if, if you have any clue what SOPA and PIPA were about, then, you know, that ought to tick you off plenty about him. And so, you know, it, it really kind of made me wonder, you know, if he's really in touch with what's going on. But uh, politics aside, if a lot of those people who were upset with and set against Hatch had actually gone and voted in the primary election, not the general election in November, the primary election, then they would have actually probably had a say in ousting him. Um, Now that he has gone through the primary election, in the general election, the choice will be between him and a Democrat, which, you know, in this state, most likely it means that he's already in. So um, I, I just want people to get involved in their communities, wherever you are in the United States or not. And, uh, you know, understand the process, understand the people who are involved and, and make sure that what's going on and going forward is something that represents how you feel about things and make sure that uh, the, the laws that affect technology and business are things that are productive moving forward. So anyway, I know that was kind of a long rant on politics you probably don't care about. But uh, go ca- go care about the politics in your area and, and get involved. And- I was gonna say if you don't know how to do that because I've I did it for a while. Um, there's Sunlight Labs and Sunlight Foundation. They're more developer centric, trying to build tools for like open government and all that stuff. Um, they have a lot of stuff where they're trying to expose like minutes and all that kind of stuff and spending. And so you can dig through that and actually find out like from a developer perspective of like, okay, what's going on? And I know them and a couple other groups are always looking for developers to kind of write code. That's kind of a good way if you don't know politics, have a slight interest, but want to actually like help out. I mean, it's basically open source, but focus on government. That's that's a good way. And that's also, I know a lot of people that are doing that and they've kind of built, you know, brands around building that kind of, those kind of tools. So, you know, that's another way. If you don't know what you're doing, you can kind of start looking at that and figure out about politics and all that. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, uh, register with your party or if you don't like either party. I don't particularly like either party, but I had to register as a Republican so I could uh, participate in the caucus meetings and the Republican primary, which is really the only way that you have a say in Utah as far as the politics go. I mean, there are a few areas that are more Democratic and in the state legislature and things, you know, they, they actually can vote a Democrat or, or Republican and actually have a, sh- a shot. But, uh, you know, figure out what it takes to be involved and be involved. And, uh, you know, hopefully we, we can all bring about um, positive change in whatever we're doing. And and I've met the guys, some of the guys from Sunlight Labs, and I have to say that they're, a lot of the stuff they do is actually really cool. So um, did we did we reiterate what Jeff's pick was, WWDC videos from this year? Uh, you just did. Okay. Um, we're reading Get Clients Now. We're going to be talking to CJ Hayden in about two weeks. And um, so if you haven't started or if you're not quite done with the book, you know, hurry up and get it done. Um, we're not going to have an episode next week because we're all in the United States and it is a national holiday that falls on the Wednesday before we record. This is a Thursday. So um, anyway, it's, it's just going to be really tough to get us all together. So we're not going to do it, but our next episode should be with CJ Hayden reviewing Get Clients Now. Um, and uh, beyond that, we'll, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks and uh, enjoy the holiday or enjoy the next couple of weeks if you don't have a holiday.